turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. We get sick, people die, we, we are abandoned by people. But remember this, if you're born again, if you belong to God, if God is your God, heaven is going to be your home. And if he never answered another prayer again, that would be all you needed. But because of providence, he is involved in every inch of thread that makes up the fabric of your existence. He is involved in every aspect of your everyday life. I can see the promised land, though there's pain within the plan. There is victory in the end. Your love is my battle cry. The answer for all my life. Every dragon will fall. The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so delighted that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the broadcast. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's program, Pastor Keith will be taking us through a series on the providence of God, where we'll be making stops in the book of Ruth in the Psalms, and also in the book of Job. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Ruth. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. And the servant said, the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, in the original language it comes closer to, she said to me, Please let me glean and gather some among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Don't miss what's going on here. What are the chances? Ruth comes to the notice of Boaz. And not only Boaz, but to the uh, overseer who's in charge of the reapers. And it's interesting because Usually, nobody would pay much attention to beggars picking up the leftovers. They'd be focusing on the people working in the fields. I mean, they might glance at them and stuff like that, but nobody would care, really. Their goal was to get the stuff harvested and get it harvested quickly. But somehow, God brings her to Boaz's eye. And so what Boaz says to the foreman, who probably shouldn't really take a notice of her, because she's just one of the beggars who's picking up the stuff after they've harvested He should be preoccupied with getting the job done. Instead, he's noticed her work ethic. 
He knows who she is, perhaps by her notoriety, maybe her dress, because she's not, she's from Moab. And maybe somebody told him, oh, this is the one that came back with Naomi. But he actually goes on to quote her, please let me glean among the sheaves. And then he says, so she came and she continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. And so what we see here is God orchestrating things, putting up the guardrails, focusing things and focusing attention and bringing his will to pass. We see providence, provision. So what? What's in it for you? What now? What next? What should you take away from this? Well, as the ancient saying goes from the 20th century, tinker, tailor, soldier, rich person, poor person, beggar, you've been assigned a role by God. Play it with diligence and integrity like Ruth because you don't know how God will use you or how God will bring you to the attention of other people. Who is that young person over there in the cubicle? Oh, that's Marta, that Christian. Today, a Christian is like a Moabite to the culture. We hired her. She says, please and thank you. But boy, does she work. Boy, does she get the job done. Bear witness, friends, regardless of your perceived importance or unimportance or stigma. I mean, I get it. You may be living in the aftermath of some tragedy, some decision, some failure on your part. You may have shot yourself in the foot, metaphorically or literally speaking. It's all your fault. Maybe it's someone else's, but it's not over because God is in the trial. God's will shall be done with or without your cooperation, but you have a role to play. And so play your role with verve, vigor, and integrity because people are watching. You know, we say it all the time. We live in a surveillance culture. And I'm not talking about the CIA or the NSA. I'm talking about an unbelieving world aware of the Christian watching, waiting. Some waiting to pounce. Some hoping that your faith is real. Some hoping that your integrity is not just some act. Now, at this point, uh, Ruth, we don't know exactly where she stands in eternity. How, she's probably not thinking, how can I bear witness to Christ? Because she's a Moabite woman. She has adopted Yahweh as her God and Yahweh is using her. So now we come to scene three. The plot thickens. Ruth 2, 8 through 16. Then Boaz says to Ruth, and notice they've dropped the title, the Moabite, because he's speaking to her, and you'll see, person to person, not superior to inferior. It's almost like Jesus at the well speaking to the Samaritan woman, but not quite. Although Boaz is a Christ figure, but he talks to her like a person, not some Gentile beggar, not like some Moabite. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, Do not glean in any other field or leave this one. But keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? Can you imagine what bystanders were thinking? This guy rolls in. He is a big deal. He sees this beggar. He says, who's that? They talk to him. 
he, he remembers, oh, okay, that's the one, the one, that's the Moabite that came with Naomi. That's her daughter-in-law. Okay, and then he addresses her like he would appear. You know, and there's all kind of, he says, stay in my field, stay with my women, stay with my employees even. When he talks about, you know, keep close to my young women. So there were employee types. It's complicated. We won't get deep into the culture. And he says, keep your eyes on, my, on their reaping and stick close to them. And then he says, have I not charged the young men not to touch you? Remember, I told you that they, this was an immoral time like our time. It was a dangerous time. And he's protecting her. He's made this statement to his young men, basically, touch her and deal with me. You know, this is a distressing time of the judges. And you know what? None of this was done privately. He's talking to her publicly. And then he goes on to say, and I, I just can't imagine what these people were thinking. And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Don't go over here and try to just drink what my staff is going to be drinking. Drink what my employee is going to be drinking. Drink from our water fountain. Drink. Use our supplies. What are the chances? Slim and none normally. Drink what the young men have drawn. Now, how do we know all this is out of the norm? How, if you were just reading this for yourself and, you, and I didn't give you some of the background, how would you know? Verse 10. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? And the word there, favor, I think, speaks to grace. And so she is showing humility. She is showing integrity. She understands that this is Boaz's unmerited favor. This is grace. And Boaz, as we said before, pictures Christ. What we have here is the grace of God visited down upon her. She understands how undeserving she is, particularly as a Moabite, as a farmer, she, a farmer, as a foreigner. She has no right to presume on her host country, to expect anything from them. And so in humility, she asks why. Why me? In a very different sense. Very different than maybe the Naomi's why me. And you know, sometimes we don't ever get an answer. God doesn't answer why. And sometimes he does. And here... Ruth receives her answer from Boaz. Verse 11, and Boaz answered her. All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord, Yahweh, repay you for what you have done and a full reward shall be given you by the Lord. The God of Israel under whose wings you have now come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for, what you have, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants, though I am not one of yours. Drink that in for a moment. Boaz answers. He explains why. She has borne witness unwittingly. All of Bethlehem knows who she is and how she is and what she's done. 
Now, she's a Moab, an enemy of, of the people, so to speak, by birth. She's a Moabitess. But here she is receiving favor. You know, here's a quick lesson, too. We, we often forget that we always, always, I want to say this, I want you to understand this, we always receive from God better than we deserve, even in the trials. And she's learning that lesson. And through her, we are learning that lesson. The question is, will you embrace that lesson? Can you? I mean, sometimes life is hard. We get sick, people die, we we are abandoned by people. But remember this, if you're born again, if you belong to God, if God is your God, heaven is going to be your home. And if he never answered another prayer again, that would be all you needed. But because of providence, he is involved in every inch of thread that makes up the fabric of your existence. He is involved in every aspect of your everyday life. And Ruth is beginning to learn this lesson, and she will become more fully aware later. But she acknowledges, though I am not one of your servants, though I am not entitled to grace. And speaking of grace, Boaz shows great kindness to her as an older man. She's probably 25. He's probably 45. He's not obliged to speak to her because she is a youngin. She is a beggar. She is a Moabitess. He could have, probably should have, culturally speaking, spoken to her through the foreman, but he did not. And he says to her, the Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Now, Limelech, earlier in the story, stepped out from under those wings. He should have known better. This woman has stepped under those wings, and the plot continues to thicken. Verse 14, at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. Basically, come and eat with me and my team. People must have wondered, what in the world is going on here? First, he's nice to her. Now, she's going to come eat, and she's going to dip her morsel in the wine. That would be, that would not be normal. But Boaz is treating her with respect and with honor, like a guest or a family member. Now, she must be in close proximity, because he could see her and say, come and dip your wine in the morsel. But you have to watch uh, Ruth and, and her integrity and her humility She has no sense of entitlement. You know, we live in an entitlement world today. Everybody's entitled. Everybody's a victim. Everybody's oppressed. Ruth has no sense of such entitlement. Goes on to say, so she sat beside the reapers. And he passed to her roasted grain. She didn't sit with him. She sat over there. And she ate until she was satisfied and had some left over. And then, you know, after that, after, after such a good day, it says she took it easy for the rest of the day. No, it doesn't say that. Verse 15, when she rose again, she's getting back after it. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, let her glean among the sheaths and do not reproach her. And also pull out some of the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So he's saying, let her go wherever she wants to go. And by the way, 
dump some of our stuff over there so she can get it. What are the chances? I mean, she would encounter a nice man like Boaz. His kindness, as we know, is not motivated by some ulterior motive. It's based on what he knows that she has done, what was told to him about her. She happened on to his part of the field. He happened to be there from Bethlehem. He provides for her almost like a peer or a family member. And no matter what happens, she gets up and gets after it. You know, it said that she had some left over from her lunch, so she could pack that away. But most people would have eaten it because in those days, you never knew where your, you never knew where your next meal was coming from. But she had to think of other people like Naomi. And so there, there, for her, there is no rest for the weary. In the midst of her trial, she is a widow, attached to a widow, a foreigner. And so she's getting after it. You sometimes are an alien in a strange land. And your job is to get after it, is to play the role that God has assigned, that has fallen to you, not by chance, but by providence. And you see him instructing his young men to leave her extra grain. We soon see his generosity is not taken for granted because she gets up and she goes and she eats and she works. She gleans. She keeps on keeping on. Because you know what? Harvests and harvest seasons come to an end. She's got to make hay, as they say, while the sun is shining. And so she does. So as the plot thickens, what does all this mean for you? I want to emphasize that particular preposition, for. A lot of times people sit in a Bible study and they take turns pooling their ignorance, saying, well, this is what it means to me. Well, this is what it means to me. I don't care what it means to you. I care what the Bible says. I care what it means for you. You see, there's only one interpretation, what the text means. Many applications. Sometimes we get sloppy. Anyway, that was extra. I'm not saying that there aren't going to be tough times where the world filled with sin, sickness, and sadness isn't getting you down. But I want you to understand this. God has indeed raised you up and placed you where you are. You're not there by accident. You have a role to play. Leave the big stuff to God, right? We say abide in Christ, keep his word, and let him do the heavy lifting. Let God be God. You play the role. And her role is to provide for her mother-in-law. And so that's what she does. She does it with vigor. She does it with integrity. She does it with humility. God will provide for you as he provided for her. Not as quickly as you might like, but he'll provide I was talking, I was having coffee with my daughter, Grace, and we were comparing war wounds. Some of you know, at 23, she had a couple of strokes and a severe head injury. She had nerve damage and neural damage and, you know, paralysis, and the paralysis started to wear off, and she had to learn to walk again and all this kind of stuff. And so we were talking about nerve damage and neural pain and neuropathy and all these things, and I was telling her about my progress. And she goes, that's great, Dad. You know, I went through the same thing. It took me about two or three years to recover. I'm like, that's not what I wanted to hear. I'm not 23. It's 63. I can't afford that long, no. And she goes, you know what? You'll be walking almost normally in a couple of years. But you know what? God is providing. Because I'll tell you right now, it wasn't that long ago. I remember when I had in my house, I live in a three-story condo. 
that I had to go up the stairs on all fours like a dog or a cat. You know, now I go up standing up. Uh, and re- recently, recently I could go up the stairs without using hands. You know, now I have to learn to go down the stairs. Well, that's for God, not me. But recently, now I got to learn to go downstairs. You know, but this is it. You know, God provides. If you want a memory verse, let me give you Psalm 32, 25, I think it is. And David says, I have been young and now I am old and I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Understand, whatever train wreck you're experiencing right now, God is there, God cares, there is hope, he is involved, you are not on your own, particularly if you're here in the church family. Anyway, scene four. I'm getting carried away here. I've got to wrap this thing up. Scene four is too good to be true. Not necessarily. And we're looking at verses 17 to 23. You know, a lot of times people go, oh, this is a nice story, but it's fiction. No, it's not. It's real. You have the history of the genealogy of Christ. We know that she was. We know where she came from. God has moved men, carried men along to write this down for us, preserved it and transmitted it through history that we might find encouragement and hope, as it says in Romans 15, 4. And so we read, so she gleaned in the field until evening. This woman is going from sunrise, basically, to sundown. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. It's about, depending, it's anywhere from 25 to 50 pounds. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. So she brings this 25 to 50 pounds of yield. So she beat it out and what was left was 25 to 50 pounds of usable grain. The mother-in-law sees it and then she lays on Naomi the part of the lunch that she didn't eat that she kept for her. And Naomi is savvy enough to realize there's a lot going on here beyond what meets the eye. And so we read in verse 19, and her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man that took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she, with whom she had worked and said, this man's name with thy work today, uh, he's, his name's Boaz. Yeah, at this point, Ruth has no idea there's a connection. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord, the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Do you see that last statement? Whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi is beginning to sense and see the hand of the Lord. She's going from being bitter to thankful. She heaps blessing upon this man and acknowledges the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead, and she would have considered herself dead before. Also, with her husband's death and the children and the young men's death, the line ends. And so by them staying alive, there's hope that the line may continue. So all this is providence, right? Naomi also said to her, this man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. So there's a lot going on here. Boaz is probably one of two or three men who under Jewish law 
is obliged in some sense to help them. Things are beginning to gel. Things are beginning to materialize. Naomi and now Ruth is sensing and seeing the hand of the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living of the dead. Naomi realizes that she and Ruth have not been abandoned by God, quite the contrary. And her tone and her outlook begins to change because the Lord is with her. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening.